Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. All right. We, for those of you that may not be aware, we are in a series right now on Wednesday nights concerning Joseph and um, the five low points of Joseph's life and how sometimes we go through the same low points and what we can learn from Joseph and what we can learn from the Word of God to help us through the low points of our life. Now tonight, um, Brother Zach Wilbur is going to speak to us about confronting confusion. Has anybody ever been confused? Have you ever wondered why it seems that as believers it seems like we go through more trials than the world does? But God is not the author of confusion, but of peace and of a sound mind. So let's, uh, Brother Wilbur, if you'll come, let's stand together in honor of the man of God and the word of God. This is a fine young man that's going to minister in the word tonight, and he will appreciate your support. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you. All right, guys, sir. Thank you. Testing. Oh, okay. All right, praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? Good. All right, I'll get there fast. <laughs> One second. All right. I won't hit them. I won't do that again. Okay. <laughs> um, can you bring up that first scripture? Real quick. The, the one in First Corinthians. Okay. Pastor just said this, so um, Pastor is stealing my notes. And uh, <laughs> so... I want to start off by saying, oh, I'll let you guys sit first. I'll let you sit. Then we'll stand up for the reading of the word. I just wanted it up there just so I had it up there. Okay. Um, I want to start by saying this, that first of all, um, it is an honor, um, more than any of you could understand, um, it is such an honor for you guys to allow me to come and speak to you guys. I'm, I'm a 21-year-old punk. Um, I'm not smart at all. Um, I have very little wisdom, but it all involves sports of some sort. Um, so the fact that you guys would allow me to come and speak and, and actually listen to me is incredible, and I appreciate that. And this youth group appreciates you guys showing up for Wednesday night, um, and we love you guys. Um, today I'm speaking on the next part, which is confronting confusion. Um, some of you, when Pastor said who was going to be a speaker, heard it was Zach, and you were confused. Like, last Wednesday we had Brother Timothy Green and um, this week we have Zach. So <laughs> if you're confused, <laughs> then good. <laughs> That's my illustration for today. So <laughs> um, I will do my best. Um, when, I, when I had found out that I was originally supposed to take this month for the youth, and I saw on the schedule that it said that we were doing this. I remember that we were doing this. So I talked to Brother Cordell, and he was going to take it. And then he couldn't be with us today. Um, and, I, and, and so he asked me if I could do it again. So I started reading the chapter, and I started thinking about it, and I've never done something like this before, and I kind of panicked, and I told them, you know, I'm definitely not qualified for this. Uh, <laughs> I just want you just to do it if you can. If not, maybe we can find somebody. And as soon as I sent that text message to him, like three seconds later in my, in my head, I just, something hit me, and I told the youth about this. Um, it, as soon as I sent it, God, I think this was God. I don't know if it was God for sure or not, but it was something God led. He told me that anything that I have in my life 
anything, my job, um, the duplex I live in, the vehicle I drive, anything I have in my life is not good enough for God. But everything in my life is something he can work with. And today I'm talking about confusion a little bit, and I'll explain a little bit what, what I mean by that. But some of us think we can give this or that to God, and I think, you know, I can preach for him, and I can teach for him, but there's areas where I, I'm more reserved on my stuff, and, and, you know, I can figure out my finances, and I can do this and that. And I know that, I'm being 100% honest with you guys today, I know that some of you feel that same way, and today I want to encourage you, and I'll explain why, but I want to encourage you to give everything you've got to God, and that, I'm doing that right now. I was scared to death to even come teach this lesson, but when I had prayed and, and that came to my mind, I instantly thought, you know what, if I'm going to give to God, I need to give everything I got, and, and this is a dream of mine. We're talking about dreamers today. This is a dream of mine to be a preacher, and I've get, been given an amazing opportunity and I'm going to make the best of it. So um, hang in there with me. I say um a lot, and that is not because I'm nervous. That's because I say it a lot anyways. And then I also say, um, you know. You're going to hear you know a lot. Just because I want to know if you know after I say it. So that's maybe the Wisconsin in me. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Now, um, that pretty much sums it up right there. <laughs> Everything I'm going to teach about today is summed up in that one scripture by saying this, that God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't intend for us to have confusion in our lives. Um, sometimes we think maybe it was God-led confusion, and that's not true. There's a spirit of confusion, and this scripture right here points out that that's not of God. Um, God is the author of peace. He wants us to be peaceful. Sometimes it feels like God is doing all these things just to mess me up, but God is the author of peace. And he wants to bring peace to your life. Now, he's going to take you down some roads to get there. Um, and you're going to see Joseph gets taken down some roads to, to see that peace. But, but he is not the author of confusion. And he does not intend for us to be confused. So if you're already confused, well, good. <laughs> we'll go from there. Okay, so I wanted to start this off by saying, um, if I can find that note, it's somewhere in here. Maybe it's not. Okay, first of all, I want to start by saying this, that, that um, the who is the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth in Greece. And he's saying, to the or he's saying to the church, he's telling them this. They're in a confusing time and they're having a hard time. Um, and he's trying to organize them and illustrate to them who Jesus is. And, and he's trying to teach them how they're supposed to be, if you will. And... I think about, like that says, God is the, not the author of confusion. Well, what is God? And, and, and if God can take care of everything, I want to make a point here first. Who here goes to the doctor? A lot of us go to the doctor. Some of us, who here, if you had to get open heart surgery, you would go to a trusted surgeon for open heart surgery? I would do the same thing. Because that trusted surgeon's probably been proven time and time again. But that trusted surgeon, they have a degree and maybe some experience. So automatically, we as human beings, we just trust in that surgeon, right? We just give him our trust because that's all we got. <laughs> that's all we got left is to trust in him. Then why is it so hard for us to just trust in God and know that he'll take us through things? When he is a proven resume, he's, the miracles he's done in just, in just Jesus' life, and just his adult life, the amount of miracles he's done, that's should be far more than enough that, that we would ever need to, 
to trust in him and have faith in him. So when, when you're going into confusion, it's easy just to trust God, right? So, um, and I was going to tell you guys that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys that in a minute here. We'll go here first. <laughs> okay, so. So the, the question here is, so how do we get confused? Um, it's really easy in the world that we live in now with all of this and, and all the internet and all the billboards and all everything we got. It's easy to get confused. I, I like that I got to teach this message because on youth night, because it is really easy for our, our young people to get confused. A lot of us are deciding where we're going to go to college, what we're going to do um, these next few years for school and, and um, families and that kind of stuff. It's easy to get confused and, and worried about, okay, God, where do you want me from here? Where do I go next? That's very easy to get confused. Um, we have billboards so the TV giving us announcements, ads, um, the newscast telling us this and that. It's very easy to get mixed up in everything in the world when, like I said, that right there is pretty cut and dry. We should be able just to follow him because he's Jesus. So it should be easy to get out of confusion. But we get so masked down with all this stuff and it pushes us and pushes us and pushes us. And, and they try to teach us this is what success is and, and this is how you achieve it. Right? You guys have all heard that. We have our image of worldly success and we have the road, the path to achieving it. Well, God has a different idea of success. And, and you might be confused on what that road is. And I'm going to tell you how to get out of that confusion. So we lose track of our direction and where it's really coming from. We confuse signs from God with made-up coincidence. Um, anybody ever done that? You ask for a sign from God. And you said, if, if I hear the word the today, that means you want me to do it. And someone says the word the, and you're, that's a sign from God. We do that a lot. We come up with things in our head that we think are signs from God when we're really not seeking him in prayer and fasting. We're just saying, God, you love me, so show me a sign. And that's not right. So it's easy to get confused with signs of God. Um, I, I promise, Pastor, don't kick me off the pulpit for this one. I, it's it's going to be a little edgy. But, and I'm not talking about anybody here in this church. But sometimes we get confused with religious leadership. Sometimes we see things on TV or we hear people or we go to a Bible study that someone invited you to and the, the preacher starts teaching what he thinks and um, his ideas are. And it's easy to get confused and get mixed up in that. And I want to tell you guys that if it's not biblical and doesn't follow what Jesus preached and, and what God's taught us, then stay far away from that. Because it's very, believe me, believe me. I've, I've been in church 21 years. Um, Billy and my dad and Becca, um, we've seen some people get mixed up with a preacher somewhere and all of a sudden they just come up with the, the loopiest, craziest, confused stuff. And they were in the right intention in the first place. They were trying to follow God in the first place, but they, they put their trust in a man. And when you make man God and man can perform as God, then you're stuck. So if it's not follow biblical, whenever you hear a preacher say, well, I think, or, well, I have this idea that make sure it's biblical. And I know that this church, we have some great biblical leaders. We, this church, if you're new here, um, this is a Bible-believing church and a Bible-preaching church, and you won't hear anything other than that. Um, so, amen? So we have Joseph. You can take that down. Um, yeah, you can just take it down. I just keep looking at it and keeps distracting me. All right, there's a guy named Joseph. And this is what we're talking about in this series. Now, Joseph is a dreamer. I love Joseph because, now I say this about every guy in the Bible, but <laughs> I relate to him. <laughs> I say that about David. I say that about Joshua, my favorite in the Bible other than Jesus, of course. Um, 
All these guys, I always say, well, I can relate to him. So I, he's awesome. Well, Joseph is another guy like that. Joseph is a dreamer. My family, the Wilbur family, to say anything about us, we're dreamers. <laughs> we've, we've thought up ideas so many times that have completely failed. And um, my dad's a welder, and he thinks that you can make anything with a welder. And it's true. It's true. The problem is, when you have a bed frame that's 5,000 pounds of pure steel, it's hard to get up the stairs. Uh, but <laughs> we dream things up like that. And I had some dreams when I was young. I had dreams of being a basketball player. And I remember my dad told me, me and Billy in the kitchen one day, he had a sit down with us. And he said, guys, you're just out there having fun. Because Billy, me and Billy had a scrimmage game and Billy beat me really bad. It, it was at school in front of all my friends. And Billy schooled me and I, I cried about it. That was when I was little. So it's like, it's not even, <laughs> anyways. So I cried about it. And my dad, he said, he said, you guys, you're just out there having fun. You're not going to make it to the NBA and if you remember right, I started crying when you told me that. It hurts when you crush someone's dreams. It does. Um, but but that, wasn't, that wasn't the period in that, that story. What actually ended up happening was I turned 21 and I'm still five foot seven. So um, God has a sense of humor putting dreams in your mind that you can't fulfill. Um, so I like Joseph because I like his mentality of having a dream. I think that everybody should have a dream. Our youth group should have a dream. This church should have a dream. If, if you don't have vision, you perish. So I hope that we're dreamers here. Uh, I think that being a Christian automatically makes you a dreamer. So in Genesis 37 and 13, um, if you can put that up, you have, you have um, Jacob telling Joseph and Israel, which is Jacob, said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock and um, I think it's Shechem. I'm not 100% sure, but that sounds right to me. Shechem, come and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, here am I. Now, this isn't really in the notes of confusion, but any time that, that your father, and what I mean by father is that father, tells you to do something, you do it. I love the response here, which just says, here am I, which basically means, yeah, I'll go do this. And I think that us as Christians, we need to have that mentality um, of, yes, God, here am I. He said, this is, this is the first direction. This is where the direction started, is right here. He tells them what to do. Now, we always pray, God, give me direction. Give me guidance. Give me this. God finally tells you to do something, and all of a sudden, you act like it was just uh, something was flicking, or uh, whispering in your ear of some wind or something. You're afraid to admit that it's God in your life telling you to do something. When God speaks to you and he tells you to do something, after you've been praying and waiting and fasting for him to use you, then do it. Say, here, here am I. And that's what Joseph does because Joseph's a dreamer. And not only is he a dreamer, he's gonna fulfill that dream no matter what. That was his goal and that was his mission. And um, he stayed true to that. True Christians are better listeners than preachers. Joseph here listened to his, his father. Some of you guys think, I'm gonna explain that in here a second. I won't leave you hanging there. Um, Joseph listens to his father here, right? Now, Joseph was never a big preacher, go out and preach it. And if he did do that, he was always a listener first. I want to say that, take this second to say that we have one of the greatest listening leaders in the entire United States of all time in Pastor Kylie. And I do not mean that lightly. I, he's, number one, he's humble. That's the first thing. And number two to me is his ability to listen. I will tell him something on Sunday morning. I'll tell him, oh, I got this going on this week. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll pray for you. And we walk away. He goes and talks to 200 other people. Um, he makes a 
thousand phone calls. On Wednesday night, he comes back and says, how did this go? I'm like, what? I, what go? He's like, how did that thing go? What? That, where you had to go do this and this and that? Like, I forgot about that. And <laughs> you remember that. That's amazing. Because that's what a true man of God does. He listens first. If you're a better listener than you are a preacher, then you're going to be in the right path. If you can listen, then it's easy just to transfer that out. God never intended us for us to make things up in our head. He intended for us to bring it in and then take it out. When he's talking about us being a light to the world, he's not saying that we produce our own light inside of us. What he's saying is we are reflectors that when he shines down on us, we shine back out on the earth. And, and we have an awesome example of that. Uh, I know you guys all, all agree with me. So uh, Joseph goes to the field of Shechem, um, and this is where the confusion begins for him. In Genesis 37 and 15, now this is, I would, it's, we're studying from that book, and um, I've never ever looked at this part of the story. I just always kind of skimmed right over it. I've never heard this part. I've never heard it taught this way. So he um, says, and a certain man found him. So he's, he's out looking for his brothers, and a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, um, what seekest thou? You just stop right there. So he was wandering in the field, and according to, um, according to Ken Gurley, and, and I looked it up too, I did my own research on it. But in Hebrew, that wandering, it literally, it literally means to walk astray or aimlessly or stumble around. Uh, so he was literally lost and wandering around, is what he was doing. He was looking for his brothers, but he couldn't find them. So now he's confused, right? Now, what, what, I think, what would Zach do in this situation? Now, Dad sends Zach out to find Billy and Joey. I walk out in the field, and I don't smell pizza, so I think Joey can't be anywhere around. <laughs> and so I'm looking, and I don't find them, right? And I've done this before. We've done this a million times. Go, go get your brothers in church. So I'm running around church, and can't find them, can't find them. So my first reaction is, well, I'm just going to go right back to him and tell him, you know, I, I couldn't find them. I don't know where they're at. And then immediately, I think Dad doesn't know where they're at either, right? That's what you immediately think. They don't know where he's at because they weren't where he told me they were at. So, so Joseph, he could have easily done that. He could have went back to his dad and said, they're, you know, they're not there. Um, so you, you don't even know where they're at. <laughs> they could be anywhere. And he doesn't question what his dad does. Instead, he keeps searching for them. Now, me right away, I would say, Dad, you know, they're not in church. They're somewhere else. But he knows the authority that his father has. And he listens to what his father told him. And he listens to the direction his dad gave him to go find his brothers. And Joseph, being the dreamer and the listener that he was, he wasn't going to come back until he had his brothers because that's what his dad told him. Come back with your brothers. And he wouldn't come back unless he had his brothers. Too many times we just go back and say, God, you know what? That direction didn't work. Um, You clearly don't know my situation. You didn't know that I didn't have any money or to do that. Or you didn't know that that person was mean. And you didn't know that how many people have done that? You don't have to raise your hand. You can raise your hand if you want, but how many people have done that? Where you question God, you go back and say, you know what, God, your plan was wrong. So I have a better idea. I'm going to come back and tell you that it's wrong. But Joseph doesn't do that. So Joseph, he goes out to find his brothers. Um, I like what Ken Gurley says in his book. And he says, night visions are good, but daily direction is best. I think that's awesome. I think that's so awesome. That's when you have a daily prayer life with God. And, and, and when you pray, listen. When you, when you go to pray to God, and I do this myself, I go to pray to God and I tell him what he's gonna do. I tell him what he's supposed to do. God, you gotta do this and I gotta have this and you gotta give me this and I, and I need this and that. And, and God's just like, pray for direction. 
and then listen and hear what I have to say. Too many times we tell God what we want to hear and we end up trying to stick with that plan and it most of the time fails. So um, Jacob gave Joseph a specific, specific task, but when the directions ended, confusion began to set in. In our lives, we pray for God to direct us and he leads us and guides us. Um, he's our lamp unto our feet. He's led into our path. But once his directions become fuzzy and run out, we become confused. Amen? And I, I started writing down these notes because I started thinking about my own life. And I think this is awesome. If you have a notebook, you can write down, this down, key points, but this is awesome. Confusion leads to impatience. Impatience leads to fear. Fear leads to self-defense. Self-defense leads to anger and hatred. Anger and hatred leads to lost dreams, lost calling, and loneliness. We get impatient with God and lose trust in his original direction. So then we become fearful in our situation. Some of us have sicknesses. We have illnesses. Um, when we don't, God's not doing exactly what we want him to do. We lose trust in him, and then we become impatient with him. So then we become fearful in our situation. Whether it be sickness, job situation, relationship issues, we become subject to them because we are fearful of them. And we are subject to only one ruler, and that's God. Only one thing should rule over your life, and that's God. Amen? So, um, they, and they become rulers over our dreams. All of a sudden, our relationship issues and our, our job issues and our sickness, they all of a sudden take place over our dreams that we have with God, our ministry, our mission, our calling. They all of a sudden become more than that because we're afraid of them. And, and as Christians, we need to fear one thing, and that's God. So, once fear sets in, we put up our fences and build some sort of self-defense. Now, there's nothing wrong with defense, defense from the world. But the problem with this fence is that, is that we put it up around us, take care of a dilemma, which is a mistake, because it's self-defense. I don't think that we as Christians ever need self-defense when it comes to the things of God and the things, things against sinful nature. When you start putting yourself into situations where you should be putting God, that's when we get in trouble. So we start, start building up our fence. Once we go into defense, we become... Are we, we start to push healthy relationships, godly principles aside to make room for our own security. And, and it's to make up for our insecurities. Now the natural reaction from defense is automatically to go into offense. Hurting people begin to hurt people or even themselves. You begin to build up walls and the only problem with these walls are the, the very thing that you're trying to keep out is the very thing that's keeping you inside those walls. You think you're building up walls that keeps the sinful and the hate and the anger and everything out. And in all reality, you're building up walls against your friends and godly principles and your pastor and, and your relationship with, with a loved one. And you start making a fence and you don't realize that what you're trying to keep out is really the only thing keeping you inside of that fence. So um, once that hatred, anger, and bitterness, um, they are all re re natural reactions to fear and self-defense. As soon as you get self-defense, you start offending people and people start offending you and you start getting hatred and anger and bitterness. Once you bring those qualities into your life, there is no more room for obedience, stewardship, servanthood, humility, and most of all, the most important is peace. Once you start bringing hatred and bitterness, all peace is out the window. And then, uh, a body filled with hate and bitterness isn't a proper housing for the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of the things that we do as Pentecostals and a lot of things that we believe that pertain to our body. We do it because we are housing the Holy Spirit. We are, we are housing the most powerful thing. You think about like these movies where they have transformers and they have this, 
this one item that's the most powerful thing in the world and it can do this and that. We have that living inside of us and we have the opportunity for it to live inside of us. But you have to make sure that your house is welcoming for that. And if you have those, those qualities inside of you, you lose that. And the second you lose that Holy Spirit inside of you, you lose your calling, you lose your ministry, you, you lose your relationships with the people, um, your loved ones, the people in church, and then you, you lose your dream, right? So confusion finds us when we're alone and ignites vulnerability. Joseph was alone in the field, allowing him to only be accountable to himself. You have to be very careful when you're alone. Battles aren't meant to be fought alone. Amen? Because when you're alone, you become vulnerable. And vulnerability leads to confusion. So did you guys actually know, and I studied this a little bit in marketing, did you know that companies actually plan to confuse consumers to buy their stuff? Did you know that? It's actually called consumer confusion. Um, and it's, it's caused by these, these four things. This is, okay, so here, let me, let me explain this a little bit better. Consumer confusion is an idea that if I can confuse you into thinking that this is right, you'll buy it because you're confused. You're uncomfortable and you're confused and you think that you need it. I try to convince you that you need it. And that comes with the, the items being very similar, the lack of information that I give you, the information overload that I give you, and lack of consistency. Has anybody ever walked into an Apple store? Anybody? I... You're almost like, they're showing you this phone and they're telling you, well, this has the gigabyte 45, 35XP, 4517, and then it can do the 33 over the overboard mother load and it drives the driver to this and that. And pretty soon you're like, you know what? I don't even know what's going on. I feel like I should know this and now I feel so insecure and so afraid that, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> How many people have gotten to those situations where you're all of a sudden like, you bought something you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> what was I thinking? And the government, they actually, I, I'm not going anti-government here, I promise, guys. Um, the government actually uses confusion on purpose in their written laws to confuse you to believe that what they are writing is good for you. And, and they've passed laws against that. There's legitimate laws against that type of thing. President Bill Clinton passed a law about that, and President Barack Obama passed a law about that, that all information should be easily there you go, to the consumers or to, to the people. I don't even know what word you said, but it sounded better than anything I was going to come up with. So <laughs> whatever they said was the word I was looking for. <laughs> so, and the government does this to you so that you, you believe that you want this thing, right? And when you become vulnerable like that, you'll do things that you never ever thought you would do. You, you, we could look at the same, I could look at a, a bill that the government passed in their writing and they're on purpose confusion. And it can be so confusing to me that I'll just say, you know what, that looks good to me. But if they gave me the same paper that I wrote with my knowledge, knowing the situation, I would say, there's no way I would ever want that. Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? But how many times do we do that, do that with God? We get so confused with things. I get, I get at school and someone's telling me this and that and this and that. All of a sudden I'm doing something that I would have never originally done if I had not been confused in the first place. But that confusion sets in and all of a sudden you find yourself in a spot where you're like, you know, I've, so, I've never been to a party. I've been to a party, not a, a bad party, if you will. My parties consist of like church parties, <laughs> church potlucks. Um, but I know that there's people out here in this, in this group today that, that you've been to a party because maybe you didn't intend on it and you never thought ever once that you would actually do that. 
but, but something got you so confused and so mixed up and all of a sudden you're confusing scripture and you're trying to make sense of, you know what, God, it's not really that big of a deal if I don't, don't do this. And all of a sudden you start talking yourself into things because you're so confused and vulnerable that, that anything anybody's gonna tell you, all of a sudden now you just accept it. And some of you have been in that situation and thank God you're here today, but some people are not here today and are in that situation right now. They're so confused and mixed up that they don't know where to go. Amen. I, have to, I got notes here, a lot of them. <laughs> so in Joseph's case, he was blessed that God had sent a certain man to him and he stayed faithful and he was gonna finish what his, his dad had told him to finish. Um, so when God, sometimes God, we think that God is always pushing us to go farther, do more, um, you know, go here, go there, get this done, get that done. And we're always go, go, go. And, and we know and us, some prairie people, we know that you can get so mixed up in so many things and so much activity that you all of a sudden forgot why you're even doing the activity. All of a sudden, it's just second nature. All your hobbies involve, not that it's a bad thing, but all your hobbies are church things. Um, all your friends are church people, which is a great thing. But you almost forget what your original mission was to do. And the original mission was to reach the world. And, and we get confused in that. And we get mixed up in that. And in Exodus, Moses actually tells his people, hey, stand still. Let's wait. Let's see what happens. God's gonna give us an answer if we just wait on him. And I think that, that Joseph did a good job of this. Instead of running around like a chicken with his head cut off, he got confused and mixed up, but, but he decided that if we wait and listen to the Lord, he will, he will come back to you. If you think that you're gonna go on by yourself without him with you, you're mistaken. Sometimes it's good just to take a step and just wait on the Lord and hear what he has to tell you to do. Moses did it, and, and God, right after that, he answered them and told them where to go. And he told them exactly, stand still, was his exact um, scripture. So, sometimes we lack in trusting him. Um, when we pray, we pray often to tell God, like I said, tell him what we're gonna do, instead of praying for him to guide us. And I always make sure when I pray, when I pray at UPI, in one of our meetings, or I pray um, before work, or in our group at church, and the youth, I always say, God, guide us, direct us, lead us, show us where to go, anoint us, God. Because I want it to be about him. Whatever is about to happen after that prayer, I don't want it to be what I'm doing. When I came to, up here to preach today, I don't, I don't have qualifications. I don't have um, a resume that's even close to impressive, but he does. And, and as long as I allow him to guide me and give me the things to do, whether it be at work, whether it be in my life, whether it be in our youth group, we always have to ask him to guide us. I encourage you to, to, when you're praying, just add that in there. God, just guide me today. Give me direction today. Um, because that's gonna go a long way. You're gonna, you're gonna start doing things that you never thought were ever possible. You're gonna start meeting people that you, never, that you heard a preacher talk about. A preacher told me one time that um, I could go to Starbucks and, and meet people. And all of a sudden, now you're doing this and now you're at Starbucks meeting people. And things will happen like that if you ask God to guide you. And he will guide you. So I wrote down three things. Um, Three things, three keys to overcoming confusion. I promise I'm almost done. And these are the three main things. Number one is trust. We need to trust in the Lord and not our own understanding. That is so hard to do because we as humans, we always want control of the situation. Um, we live in the mindset that we can control government, we can control our schools, we can control our homes, our jobs. And we think that something goes bad, we can fix it. And this, especially as guys, we think that anything goes wrong, we can easily fix it. <laughs> and, and sometimes we just need to trust in the Lord because he might have a different plan than, than what we're putting out there. So the, the second one is faith. 
the Bible says that we must have faith, right? Now, faith is more than just accepting the Lord as your Savior. Um, Brother Scott Graham, one of my favorite preachers of all time, uh, he once said that a lady come, came up to him and told him that she had found Jesus. And he said, wow, that's, that's weird. I didn't know Jesus was lost. He said, I was under the assumption that Jesus finds us and he died for us. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was pretty funny. But, but faith is more than just accepting God as our Savior. We need to have faith in the Lord. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, we have to have faith in him to, to guide us. And we have to have faith that, that he knows what he's doing. Believe me, he knows what he's doing. Okay, and then the, the third thing is this, and this is probably the most important one to get you out of confusion, is obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. God refuses to call those that don't obey his word. Is that, is that true? I was thinking about obedience when I was writing this down. I was thinking about me and Billy's dogs. I promise I'm closing here in one second. Um, I started thinking about our dogs. I think about what an interesting life they live. They get in the kennel, they have no clue when we're coming back. They have no idea. We could come back in 10 minutes, we come back in five hours. They jump in the car, we could be driving them five minutes to go hunting, or, or we could be driving them all the way to North Carolina. They have no idea. They just go with the flow. They just always do whatever we tell them to do. Because their number one goal is to please their master. And, and if we live that lifestyle where, you know what, God, just, just take me. It's so... Is, would that be hard to be a dog, to not have control of anything? Whatever your master does to you, you just do. It doesn't matter what it is. You just go along with it. Imagine having that lifestyle with God, where you just say, God, you know what? I'm going to do my thing. You just take me wherever I need to go. Just bring me wherever you need to go. Wherever I need to be, you, I have trust in you, because you're all I know. You're my master, and, and my main goal is just to obey you and love you. I think that's a, such an awesome idea of a life is to be like a dog and just be so obedient to God um, and not have the control like that. So Joseph eventually heads to, I think this is Dothan, if that's correct, it's close. That's where his brothers are. And, um, and they're going to trick him into falling into a pit and they're going to sell him. But I think that might be next week. I'm not really sure. So I won't go any further on that. But um, you guys can stand in closing and someone can come. I think it's Becky. Play the piano. So, in, in the next study, I don't know if it's going to touch on this at all, but I won't, I won't give it too much away, but my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, top 10 in the Bible, is Genesis 37 and 19. So if you want to read that, I won't give it away right now because I don't want to step on my dad's notes, but I absolutely love that scripture, so keep that in there. <laughs> so, can, can we go to Joshua um, 24 and 32? Now, this is interesting. Now, Joseph had done so many things. He'd been so many places. He'd gone through so many things. And you're going to learn more about it. <laughs> I want to give more, talk more about it, but you're going to learn so much about what Joseph had done and the things he'd gone through in the prison and all this and that. But I think this is, this is really, really interesting right here. In Joshua 24 and 32, it says, And the bones of, of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem. Now, how interesting is that? The only, the only recollection that the Bible brings to us about Shechem is when, when Joseph is lost there and he's, he's wandering and he's confused. They don't even, they don't even wanna, he doesn't even wanna be buried where his brother threw him in the pit where it had a huge, huge impact in his life. But I believe that Joseph picked this spot because that was a game changer for him. He, he ran, his father only told him to do so much and he went as far as his father told him to do and then was ready to go wherever God wanted him to go 
and wherever he needed to be next. Instead, he got confused and he got lost. And, and thank God that God sent someone to guide him. I think that a lot of us need to be here or maybe we are here. I know myself when I was reading this, I'm like, this is me. I, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the next five minutes. I'm confused. I need direction. I need something. These are the moments where our lives are changed. Right now, when you're, where you're confused or maybe you're at the end of where God told you to be, you're all of a sudden getting to a place, okay, what next? This is the moment where God wants to change your life. He wants to do something spectacular. And I love that Joseph recognizes this and wants to be buried back in the place where he was originally lost and confused. And then there's something there to being lost and confused and then listening to God. Because um, it might be a very vital and mem- memorable part of your ministry. I know that my dad, he drove to Sun Prairie and he sat out underneath a tree in Sun Prairie looking at a building that was way too much money for, for the Wilbur family to even come close to affording for a church. And he just, he'd always tell the story, he would sit there and just look at it and just pray about it and wondering, God, where do you want me next? What do you want me next? He thought God sent him Sun Prairie, so he's waiting and he sees this building and he's waiting for the next direction. And now I'm, I, we tell that story all the time because that was such a big impact of our ministry because from there, from him sitting there and praying and asking God, what next? God led us into that building that we couldn't afford. God did a miraculous thing that we thought couldn't happen. And we were confused and we weren't sure where to go next. I don't even want to begin to tell you where we went after that. <laughs> we went a couple hundred miles from Sun Prairie to Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. So, and it's only like 50 miles away. But God's always got something for you. If you seek him first, and the second you get confused, have trust in him, have faith in him, and obey whatever he says. Because what he says is gonna change your life, and it's gonna define who you are the rest of your life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity for us to come together, Lord God. We wanna lift you up and give you the glory. This is all about you, Lord, and this is all for you. Thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge you've given these people, Lord God. Continue to touch them and bless them, Lord Jesus. Use them, Lord. Anoint them, Lord. Give them a calling, Lord Jesus. Give them dreams. Give them vision. Jesus, we want to fulfill those with you, Lord God. Guide us, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.